man, this little cask is adorable. You could not ever use it for its purpose and it would still just be adorable. I hope that when you decide what you're going to put in it, yeah. you'll say, I'm going to cask it. Ooh, I will. I will say that, but I probably won't decide what I'm going to put in it without you there. Well, I'll remind you to say you're going to cask it. Although I'm very excited to even just figure out what's in here. I don't know if it's water or if it's booze. You I'm know Andrew can tell you. I could take out the bung and smell it. You could spout it into your mouth. No, hole. I think it is water for cleaning because I did spin this and it's a little droplet. Yeah, taste some of that wood water. Well, you know, I got to loosen the bung, mm-hmm. the bung hole. <laughs> Do you know, this is fun. I feel really like, is it okay to say cooler than you right now? Is it, is that yeah, it's, okay? It's expected. Okay. You, you got to take the bung out or you can't get the, the spigot to work. Is that true? Yeah. You need, you need air to come in to, for liquid to come out. Really? Yeah. It's like oh, a ketchup right. bottle. You're right. You're I know. Right. That's why I said it. Dang, dude, I forget <laughs> that you're A, as cool as you are, B, as worldly as you are, and C, as wise as you are. This is water, but it's crazy because if I smell it, it still smells a little bit like whiskey, and it's the oak cask that I'm smelling, and I'm isolating that flavor from whiskey. What do you think would happen if you froze some of that bungy wood water, the bung into water. ice cubes, and put it in, in maybe whiskey? a non-alcoholic drink? You'd have or, an extra, in, or in whiskey or it'd be extra casky, wouldn't it? Yeah. I love the idea of it. I, if I get more of these, like I would have names for the different casks and I'd be like, oh, this is Geraldine. You know, it tastes like right. Geraldine. Acceptable podcast episode 280 season four episode 26 duh duh it's a comic book place in the comics place in bellingham washington it's a comic podcast uh where every week we engage in a variety of tangents either related to or related to the comic shop that we run together the comics that we read this week uh which were bountiful or the comings and goings of our lives which usually come and go into and around one another i'm jeff i'm Django, and i got a very nice birthday present from Andrew Fotsworth Carlson right before we started this. So thank you, Andrew. You're a darling. I love you. And I'm going to make a a, a nice whiskey that I'm going to share with you. But before all that happens, I'm going to talk to Django here for a while about comics. Django, how are you? I'm pretty good, Jeff. Yeah. Uh, Probably safest to leave it at that. Oh, no. That's true. I actually saw you today. Oh, two, two and a half hours ago, we were together. And you hadn't eaten yet today. I hadn't either. Um, But one of us... One of us was wearing that a little bit better than the other. And uh, it, it's I you you were an exhausted boy last time I saw you. Sweet boy. I got I got a lot in my brain this week mm-hmm. and I am concerned that it's coming off as like me being super scattered and manic. And I don't know if that that's how I feel inside. I don't know if that's projecting to everybody else. I can't speak for everybody else, but I know you pretty well. <laughs> and I'm getting an amount of scattered and not a ton of mania, but an amount of scattered. Uh, I would say okay. scattered and exhausted is how I, I I would view you. Those are those are probably both very accurate and manic as fuck. I'm just holding a lot of a lot of gold lot of things in my head a right now. A lot of gold. A lot of gold. I'm sorry if the gold doesn't leak out in this podcast like it usually does. Uh, it's I've, I've got some impacted gold in my joke rectum, if you know what I mean. We call it your J rectum. My J rect. 
which is also my nickname. We're going to be talking about a bunch of comics today, but we don't even know what they are yet. We don't know what they're going to. We don't know what they are yet. The only thing I know for sure is that right now, you and I are going to listen to a voicemail from our good friend, William William Elmer. Here we go. Mm-hmm. Hello, my like, friends, oh, and oh, happy oh, episode sorry, 290. You know, I thought it was kind of funny, the irony of me talking in my last voicemail about how you're coming up on 300 and it could be around New Year's, but you guys will probably miss a week. The irony was that the week I sent that, you guys missed a week. <laughs> You're trying to make us look dumb. Um, I got a good, good kick out of that. You know what else I got a good kick out of? Like when you know you're listening to someone talk about something in the past, about something that's happened, and you're kind of scratching your head while listening to the podcast that you guys recorded last week. Listening to talk about somebody at DC needs to be fired and they need to bring in uh, someone like Kevin Feige and then um, Walter (laughs) Hamada, the boss of DC films left the company on Friday last week, like the day you recorded or the day after you recorded. And then this week they announced that they hired James Gunn to help lead DC films. Um, What did you guys do? I didn't know you guys had this much power. We do. So I'm kind of curious. Every time. Um, who else you want fired and who do you want to replace them? Like you, you guys are clearly have some magic power here where you can just decide somebody should be fired and um, be replaced. So who else out there would you like to see um, fired and replaced? Is that a real question? Is that a question you guys can actually answer? I don't know, but we're going to find out. Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. Turn I got up, mine already, awesome. buddy. I've got mine also. So let's hear it. But no one's going to know who mine is. But Fire Vin Diesel. Hire The Rock and Jason Statham. That's it. Just Or make them reconcile or something. Whatever it is. I want The Rock and Jason Statham in those last Fast and Furious movies. I... They could computer generate Dom. I, I, I got to push back, Django. I got to push back. It's Vin Diesel. It's all about family, okay? No, you know? it's family. It's all about family, and if you if if you if you take that if you take Vin Diesel out, it's like your mom and dad got divorced and then got remarried with somebody else, and they're trying to convince you that that's your real dad. And uh, you know, let it's the not. Rock be my real dad. Yeah, I feel this is. I'm not. Mm, I don't like yours. Okay, uh, give me yours. <laughs> I want to shit on it. Okay, okay. <laughs> I think they should fire Dan Snyder and he should be fired and never able to be in his position again. And I think they could hire like any other millionaire or billionaire to take his spot. Dan Snyder. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Daniel Snyder. Who's that? Oh, Django. It's the owner of the Washington Commanders, formerly the Washington Redskins. Oh, why? Because he changed the the name. That's why you don't like him. That's what I heard. Uh, He's like a racist and a sexist and he's super evil and he's run that franchise under the ground and it used to be a great franchise and there's really no room for it to become better at all as long as he owns it and he owns it and uh, they're working really hard to get him fired right now, um, which is like the first time I know of uh, them firing an owner of a football team. Okay, I got one. Okay. What if we fired whoever is the next president and hired oh, The Rock? What if we fired whoever the next president is mm-hmm. and, and hired, hired the Obama rock. back instead? Oh, that's Obama. the one. Yeah, that's the let's one. Do that. Let's do yep. that. Can you be the president for four non-consecutive terms? That's a good question. Is it? Is it? Okay, no. Sorry, this is a terrible <laughs> conversation. And the way that we're going to get out of that conversation is by listening to another voicemail by someone Holy we love. Holy shit, we're spoiled. Very, very much the one and only Andrew Fox Carlson. We're spurled. Hey, friends. It's a long I'm coming at you with a couple 
criticisms this oh, week. No. I'm not going to lie. Um, the first one up is about y'all's discussion last week of Batman the Night. I I think I'd have to re-listen to be sure, but I am fairly certain that you guys were suspicious of this person being Ghostmaker I was. from like issue three or four. I was. And I think mm-hmm. it's interesting how when Ghostmaker came out, a lot of y'all's complaints were centralized around how he didn't seem to have a reason to exist. And he kind of just came out of nowhere. Like it was acknowledging this past he had with Bruce that we've never seen. And it was really frustrating. So I find it kind of interesting and I'm not going to lie, it's somewhat frustrating to hear you guys complain about having a 10 issue series explaining and going into the depth of Anton and Ghostmaker and finding out his past and connection mm. with Bruce and enjoying the series all the way through until you realize it is Ghostmaker. I just think that's really strange to me. I'm not going to lie <laughs> um, that just that be- just because this person is Ghostmaker that you guys don't like it. Um, I think it was a really, really solid series overall. I do too. I rate it high. I care a lot more about Ghostmaker. I still don't think he's the coolest character ever, but I thought y'all's criticisms of it were a little strong and strange. Um, But maybe that's just me. I I just uh, had to come at y'all with that. Come at (laughs) it. Next up. Now, we all know how Bleeding Cool is not that great. Okay. I think we all, we're all in pretty good agreement on that. Um, I was just kind of browsing through things and I saw this really kind of interesting slash funny title on a Bleeding Cool article, so I decided to read it. The title of the article is DC Cancels Heterosexual Robin Comic After 17 <laughs> Issues as Sales Fall Flat. And I I highly recommend you read this issue. We already read uh, this uh, <laughs> article because it is just so tongue-in-cheek. It is. I absolutely loved how they were just kind of playing that this Damien Robin series got canceled because he's straight, because he had a straight love interest, especially because obviously there's so many people from like Comicsgate, of course, talking about how they cancel it because they're gay, because they're homosexual. But I think it's interesting because I know you guys have talked a lot about how much you don't care for by Robin. And I would love to get more thoughts on it because I know you guys were like, okay, it's not in his history. Yeah. But what about that makes him precluded from being gay? Uh, Like what precludes him from that? Like, obviously he's had great straight love interests, but does that mean he can't have a great gay love interest? Like, I think it's a little restrictive to not, not, I don't know. It feels like you guys are coming against it really hard sometimes. And I just wanted to get, a little more clarity. Um, so I might end up cutting the second part altogether, to be honest, uh, when I actually make the podcast. Uh, so, you know, say what you want. But I, I was I was curious because I don't get to talk to all three of you at once very much anymore. Oh, and that's no something Roman. that's been kind of rattling head lately. <clears throat> and I wanted to get some more specific thoughts. So, yeah. Thank you guys for listening to my long ass voicemail. Um, and thank you for being so awesome despite me still wanting to throw criticisms your way. But that's why, because I love you, and I want to understand how you think and why you think. And that's the lovely thing about comics. Anyways, stay awesome out there, friends. Oops, sorry. Um, it started again. Um, I Great. I love that, Andrew. Thank you so much for sending a voicemail in and challenging. I could do the Ghostmaker one right off the bat. Andrew, yeah. you're you're totally right. I mean, I remember thinking it was possibly Ghostmaker early, early on. Um, for clarity's sake, though, the criticism of Ghostmaker originally was that Jimmy T.I.V. created him 
in a run of creating a lot of brand new characters. Mm-hmm. Um, so one, it was new character fatigue. And he was saying, here's this character that means something, but we've never heard anything about him. I think that still totally stands as a fair criticism because it wasn't until a subsequent comic series came out outside of the by a different writer, perhaps in a different canon and filled out the character. So so they have done work to fill out Ghostmaker's backstory since then. But no one could have known that or cared about him in that capacity when the character had been created and we were told that he had known him forever. So I still think that's a totally fair thing to be annoyed about back then. Um, I even I even didn't love it when we found out Hush's history with Bruce. Mm-hmm. Um, like it, it wasn't as deep a history as Ghostmaker had with him. But um, just the fact that Bruce had a childhood friend that we didn't already know about always sort of rang convenient to me. Um and then the second half of that Ghostmaker question is, why did that affect our score for the night? So even after learning it was Ghostmaker, I still loved that series. But the complaint I have is that having not cared about the original appearance of Ghostmaker, having not been interested in that or that character at all, I was disappointed that a big portion of this Chip Zdarsky run was directly related to that character. And I didn't love Anton throughout the series at all. Like, I, I love mm-hmm. the series, but his relationship was not necessarily very interesting. And I didn't particularly care him, care about him. And then it was just sort of like, oh, he's this character. It's kind of, you know, the equivalent of, you know, like, I don't know, reading a prequel to a book and liking a character and then realizing it turns out to be a character that you don't care about. Well, it's exactly that same thing. You know, it's like I, uh, you know, it, it anchored that story to a certain other story that I didn't necessarily care about or like to a character I didn't care about or like. And um, yeah, no, I love Batman the night, but at no point was I like, I really like this Anton character. And then was like, Oh, I don't like him now that he's ghost maker. It was, it was just that. Okay. So now, and it, that's what comics do. They oftentimes add legitimacy post hoc to, you know, a character that existed before and filling in spaces. But um, yeah, he was, he, for me, the ghost maker connection wasn't additive to the story, but that, that wasn't my, beef with that final issue um by any means Uh, i I think my problem with that final issue is just that it didn't seem like the thrust of the story had been leading us up to uh ross agul being the the main bad guy it just it just didn't it just felt like another issue to me yeah here's here's another thing to uh, overcome I did like the end of that series a lot, but yeah, I still like that series didn't do anything to make me like Anton Ghostmaker, the character. I didn't like him beforehand, so it did a lot of Bruce work that I liked, but did this other character work that I uh, didn't care for. And then uh, the Tim Drake thing, um, I wouldn't say it applies directly to Tim Drake. My response to that is just that I think that we can make all sorts of amazing new characters. I don't necessarily love large scale fundamental changes to characters that have existed a certain way for like 30 years. I don't care if you do it that much either, but you've done a bunch of work to make me invested in particular Tim Drake relationships and particular Dick Grayson relationships. That's why I love the Tom King Nightwing book right now is because it's Barbara and Dick, which is like in my heart, the relationship I've always wanted to see those two. What's that? Tom Taylor. Tom Taylor. Sorry. Thank you. Yeah. Um, Tim Drake. I love him with Stephanie Brown. That, is a thing that I a relationship I want to see happen again. I want to see them explore that. I love that. Um, so making that change, I have no problem with it. Um, outside of like outside of it seems a little editorially transparent to me. Um, it seems That's... it seems a little like 
you couldn't do one thing. So you did this other thing. And, and yeah. Yeah. For me, the, the story where he, um, I guess he didn't come out as bi. He just decides he wants a to boyfriend. go on a date with a boy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which I think is a good way of writing it. Because I don't think necessarily, especially bisexuality is such like a, you know, between, you know, it's 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 not like I feel directly one way or the other. So sorry. Jack, yeah, I, 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 I just I, I wasn't engaged by that story. Like, I, I think it's a fine choice um, for the for the writers and for the character. Um, but it it like Jeff said, it just kind of felt like a uh, thing that came down from above rather than uh, something that somebody thought, oh, I have this great story that I want to tell. Um, and it happened in an anthology miniseries, like, you know, chapter yeah. four of an anthology that people weren't really, re- it's just like a pretty large thing to do in a, in a weird way to me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't have any problem with it. it and that's probably good. Cause I'll bet it's here to stay. Um, you know, that's, that's part of the character now. Um, but I, I wish that it had been done in a more engaging storyline, I guess. Or done in a story that like people were reading and cared about and they were seeding it for a while or yeah. like in some way that made it feel natural. But like, yeah. oh, it's chapter three of a short anthology. I've been getting 10 pages of these at a time. And now this pretty huge thing. But again, it was bisexuality rather than identifying as strictly homosexual. And I think with bisexuality, you it, it's it is oftentimes like realizing you have more open doors than you thought, which is different than him being like, Oh, now he's gay. And all, you know, other, all of his other relationships were a different thing. It's like, not like a right turn for the character. It's just, yeah. A... And it doesn't say his other relationships weren't possible or something. He's just, you know, has more open to him. And I totally support that, but that doesn't mean that I'm not uh, a huge fan of wanting to see him in a different relationship that I had been reading for a long time from that character. Um, yeah, but yeah, more than anything, it was the, it was kind of the transparent editorial aspect of it to me. You know, it's not the yeah. same as making a new character that's gay, which they have done. Um, but I, you know, it's, it's, it's this well, the, the Superboy yeah. comic did, I think, uh, a much better job of, um, kind of leading us through his journey mm-hmm. over the course of a few issues and, um, gave us a good compelling story behind the scenes uh where the robin one i mean for me it wasn't maybe maybe other people got more out of that that storyline but it it just yeah wasn't wasn't a super fun book for me to read when that is the linchpin that you're hanging your storyline on um and it feels like you've been told to tell that story um you better write some really good stuff around it or i'm I'm gonna be less impressed with the storytelling and then storytelling like when i you know realized I was bisexual. I was, it was not the casual, just like, mm, maybe I want to go on this date with this guy. It, it was not just this like, really like, Oh, chapter three of an anthology type thing. It was like, you know, uh, I don't think it was very well done. Andrew is, is my mo it, it does had nothing to do with what people are allowed and not allowed to do. Um, but I try to be pretty honest about what I think is well done and not well done. And um, I think that one's not well done. Uh, we, when you read a ton of millions of comic books, both of those questions kind of come down to just like, not being very impressed with the execution of Ghostmaker as a character, singularly mm-hmm. in its original char- you know, introduction, and then uh, like large scale changes to characters that have been static for a long time, bake it into the DNA. And um, also to be fair, to be we, fair. we see behind the scenes and we look at these things from kind of a more behind the scenes aspect than a lot of people, partly mm-hmm. because we're in the industry and partly because we read 
7,000 fucking comics every week. And when you're, um, sorry, you just, you, you, you start to see the bones of yeah. the stories and you start to see the bones of the bosses and the bosses, bosses and the bosses. Like at some point, someone below Dr. AT&T himself said, you make us a gay Batman character. And it like, it trickled down, you know, to, to however, however that goes through the stories. And, is what it feels like I guess. and massively supportive of, of that being a thing a gay batman character yeah. but yeah to jango's point just like when you when you're reading the comics when you're ordering them several months in advance when you're tracking the sales sales statistics when you're seeing why things are canceled based on sales statistics and what is causing other you know the ghostmaker thing is like it's frustrating to me as a comic retailer to see a big spike in batman sales just because ghostmaker had a first appearance which is this brand new character that didn't have any history but then people were starting to like make up a bunch of value for that then tanked like a month and a half after like mm -hmm. that's the stuff that frustrates or can annoy and probably permeates the reading of the comics rather than being somebody who's just reading them strictly to read them um i hope none of that sounded annoyed Django, sorry your finger just fingered oh i was i was just gonna get us out of here please do yeah yeah I, and i love the question if we belabored the point too much feel free to trim around that but Django, did you read any comics this week Dude, I read Human Target number one. Oh, number one and number seven. I mean, number eight. Eight. Number eight is the one that came out this week. Yeah. It was amazing. It was so good. What? And what made this? What made this one of the best issues of the series for you? Did I put those words in your? Did I just put something in your mouth? Was this one of your favorite <sighs> issues of the series? This is one of my favorite issues of the series. Mm -hmm. And then what? What was it about it that did that? It was. It was everything. It was the pacing. And the time jumps because he keeps getting knocked out by Rocket yeah. Red. Yeah. And it was the panel where he's falling out of the sky. And it's just the gigantic balls on this dude to know that he's going to be okay. And also, if he's not, he's going to be dead in four days anyway. Right. So and then, matter. yeah, like, who cares if, if he doesn't catch me after he drops me from the sky? Uh, you know, I almost made it to my four extra days. And then his anger at having a day wasted. I loved that. Like he's got 12 days to live at issue one. He's down to five days, including this issue and rocket red just hassles him and knocks him unconscious and beats him up for an entire day. And it's not the bruises. It's the waste of a full day that this guy's pissed about. And I thought that that was a really well done bit into this this character's brain as he dies i think that that's you know hearing you describe it as that makes me like it more because my feelings about it were like yeah 12 issues like this is kind of a wasted issue i wish there was more to this mm -hmm. but that's kind of the point is that he mm -hmm. just had a wasted day and so imagine his anger about the whole thing yep. um i think well, this is maybe some of my favorite art in the entire series like the oh, scenes are so good up in the sky and like the perspective and the colors like that first shot of him being up there is so good the falling is great but even just the colors of when he first kind of comes through and he's rocket red is holding him up there like it was the perfect um soda fountain sky colors that like this series yep. has done these like 1960s pop colors uh yeah. and i i love that but i did finish this issue and i was like well this is maybe one of my least favorite of the series because like mm nothing happened um but then i heard you talking about it today and we're really excited about it. so i was excited to hear your thoughts on it well and the plot thing that happened is that they basically just got away with murder yeah for at least a few more days and all he really needs is four more days right well and sorry <clears throat> that, that, well, that's it like like they convinced the the 
guy who was pretty sure that they had killed guy. Yeah. That they didn't kill guy. Yeah. So in this, you know, because what Tom King can do is we can be reading it in like strange adventures and we get the mystery reveal in issue 10 or 11. And we're like, yeah, but have we had it yet? And then, it, you know, like that was it. We're well, like, Wait, yes, we did. <laughs> so in this one, like, so he has solved the mystery. Like it was guy trying to kill Lex and now he's been uh-huh. poisoned and they murdered guy is now the story of them trying to get away with murder. Cause like the, the mystery with him is wrapped, That's right? True. That's true. And well, do we have final total confirmation of that? I guess this I guess is this is Tom where King I always version. try to try to find an extra twist that right. Tom King doesn't want to right. give us. Right. So like, is have we gotten this? And now we're like, because I, I was halfway through it, I was like, okay, so is the story now getting with murder? Is the story the romance, or like, is there still a betrayal that we're trying to figure out here? I couldn't quite right. couldn't well, quite remember it. Yeah, I don't. I don't think we still trust ice. Right. Right. I I agree. I agree. I feel like if there's a twist coming, it's that I set guy up because she's so much smarter than guy. And he was such an abusive dick, but yeah, but but maybe not the why maybe not like, yeah, I don't know, man, this, this issue just seemed like a very perfect exercise in alternating slow pacing and ridiculously fast pacing, which would just be getting knocked out and then waking up. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I think I think it's fantastic. Like, you know, one of the lower scores of this series for me is like an 8.5. Yeah. And and even in this conversation, like in general, when it's an artist or a creator, I really, really like I try to I try to do some work to like, you know, like the idea that like this is just kind of maybe a quote unquote wasted issue is the idea of him having a wasted day. You know, right. like no giant steps were taken in this. But like imagine his frustration by losing one day when all he has is seven. So I also think this would work really, really well, like in the paperback, right? This is one of those yep. ones that, like in the sitting, you're like, I'll do one more. And it's this issue. You're like, I'll do one more, you know? I usually don't think about how ads interrupt the story, but I did with this one. Like there were a couple of page turns where I was like, well, fuck, that's a double page spread for Dark Christ on infinite fucking earths. <laughs> and I, I think I deserve to not have that. Dude, that double page spread of him laying on his back and falling from 20,000 feet is one of the like oh my god it is some of the my favorite art that i've seen in this series so far and i went in and did the like you know google translate and all the russian and stuff i meant to do that is it what you would expect him to be saying i don't it was like you know patience wins all there's no greater thing than like time and strength you know it was kind of like a russian proverb about like time winning out so i think that it kind of actually metaphorically probably ties into the larger scale of him with like time and patience and like i think also not gonna die at the end but maybe also it ties into him and uh ice's plan right right yeah just keep holding out yep that's probably probably what it so uh, again, it worked on multiple levels. I mean, it's an amazing series, amazing book, amazing writer, amazing artist, everything about it. Good God. When will they start making Tom King absolute editions? Because they haven't question. done a single one yet. They really? have done, they have solicited and placed for orders two Dark Knights metal absolute editions and have not done a single Tom King one. It's like, I, get it out. I'm, I'm sorry. I think that my mic just cut out the giant fart noise that I just made at DC yeah. right now. Yeah. Yeah. Just yeah. clipped it. Yeah. Ten. Um, this is ten? a 10 for me. Yeah. I, I, I think if another advantage that this specific issue has is that while he's following, he catches you up to exactly where you are in the story. Yeah. Like he, he gives you all of the setup and all of the payoff that we've had so far. I think you could hand somebody this issue and they would get a masterclass in comic pacing. 
it was really well paced and in a humorous way as well while also being serious hey Django, did you read Paul yeah, whoa, whoa, what was your score motherfucker 8.5 i said 8.5 oh i, I wasn't listening yeah I, I believe it um <laughs> did you read paul dano's comic debut i did i did the riddler year one by paul dano and steven subic i guess i'm less interested i, mean, I don't have a ton to say about the writing itself which was fine it was yeah. fine like it was not even by a long shot one of the bottom half uh writing debuts for a comic writer but i'm really interested in your thoughts on this <clears throat> artist the art is super interesting it's, it's like really interesting for me it was like if bill sinkevich was tracing people instead of drawing them from his weird brain um i really liked a lot of aspects of the art and i thought that the only thing i could have done without is the precise caricature of paul dano yeah like that's that's fine this is a direct prequel to the batman the batman movie um but i don't need to be kind of taken out of this every time i see the main character uh, looking just like an actor who you know i still think of as the weird religious maybe twins from, from there, there will, will be, be blood. blood um yeah i would say that like it seems like a lot of the face stuff and people was like the lesser than art in here. It although it is a little Sinkevichy, Sinkevich, Sinkevichy, Sinkevichian. You know, like, but when it's like dream sequences <clears throat> or cities or mm -hmm. you know landscapes or like violent stuff, it changes into this very like atmospheric, watercolory, leaning into uh, embellishments and grotesque characterizations and stuff. Yep. Whereas then a lot of the straight stuff is kind of boring but then when you get these like shots of like bats flying over a dark gotham with water like crushing up against it's like gorgeous cool shot yeah it's like this artist could be illustrating novels or something and like every yeah. five pages have a gorgeous illustration and not need to worry about faces so much but also at the same time i think it's an artist to watch um but i'm yeah, excited to see I, how they evolve i would i would maybe even take issue with the idea that the faces aren't something special because yeah or what, what I, I don't know exactly what you said but i think that he's showing some mastery at giving us recognizable characters making different facial expressions without using a ton of lines like mm -hmm. it is unmistakably paul dano every time right. but it's not stuart Immonen tracing mm -hmm. right like it looks just like the guy but it doesn't look like a still of the guy if that makes sense a lot of the like head stuff like talking heads and stuff. Oh, wow. Mine has a loose center page as well. We had oh, some congratulations. Like, I think that this comic had a kind of widespread loose center page. Problem. That's a that's that's a joke from the Riddler. Oh, uh, he's riddling us. Um, Kyle Baker mm -hmm. kind of looking stuff like what? I mean, I guess I think that because like he would do like white backgrounds and then like tan faces. Also like Lynn Varley colors, like kind of this like Kyle Baker, Lynn Varley. Um, like era of comics, like late eighties, eighties stuff. And there's a and lot times. of work being done by the colors, which you're done yeah. by the art, by the penciler too. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Like, too. The, yeah, it's, it's one artist. It's just Stefan Su Subic doing the, all of it, which is how he gets away with some of that Kyle Baker, justice Inc sort of pen on top of paint. Yeah. Look. Yeah. That's exactly the, the vibe that it was given me it was like, not quite the shadow stuff that just think um, I would have liked somebody to say, to pick a point in each one of these pages and say, this is black. 
and this is white because the whole be, thing is a little mu- a little low contrast. White. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a better way of putting it. But it, yeah. it's kind of like what can turn me off about Dark Knight Returns at times, which is like low contrast, like a lot yeah. of whites and creams and kind of yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's true. I wonder what I wonder what a rich color Lynn Varley Dark Knight Returns would look like. We'll totally never different. Know. Um, I was thought it was going to be a one shot. It's actually a mini series. I do not think it was poorly written. I think it was an interesting oh. take on the Riddler, but it is a specific take on the Riddler. So it is a different character than the Tom King one bad day that we just read. Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, I think it's worth checking out. Also, I, I like Paul Dano. I mean, you could you could yeah. retire after there will be blood, and I would still say you're a fantastic actor. Um, I I thought it was really good. Like I would I would definitely put it up there with the other good Batman stuff that we've been getting lately. I gave it a 7.0. I gave it a... Hmm, what do you think I gave it? 7.5. I think I gave it a 7.5. Yeah. I'm tempted to go into an 8, but uh, find a black point and a white point in your contrast, bud. Uh, I've got 14 books scheduled, or sorry, uh, on my docket with uh, scores written. 10 of them were either a 6 or a 7 this week, which I guess wow. kind of fits normal distribution. But um, I was... I had a huge stack of comics. Uh, my highest score is an 8.5. Good week of comics, not a great week of comics, but there was a lot of good stuff. It was an interesting. And that, that high score was uh, Human Target? Yep. Nice. Lots to look forward to after this now, right? Yeah. What was your lowest? Um, My lowest was a 6.0, but it was, um, it was, well, I'm, I'm kind of torn between two, actually. Um, Sarah Lone was one. Okay. Oh, I liked what I read of that. Well, okay. Can we talk about it for a little bit? Yeah, I, I made I, I it literally to the staples. I've read exactly yeah. half of this book. I didn't finish it, but what I was thinking while reading it was a the paper stock smells great. I love it. It's like a Tashcan Ooh. expensive book, you know. Sumerian, you go. So Sumerian used to be Behemoth Comics. They have done some great stuff. They've done some really bad stuff. But what they have kind mm-hmm. of been doing a lot of is foreign comics that they're translating. This is by. Um, Eric Arnault with art by David Moroncho, translation by Joanne Johnson. I don't know what for sure originally this language would have come out as. If I had to guess, the art looks either French or Italian to me. Yeah, I, I and I don't know much, but yeah, European. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't even know where countries are. Um, <laughs> I think the art is gorgeous. Yeah. But I found the story confusing, and I couldn't tell if it was really bad translation, which... You and Colette have kind of like talked about some behemoth books and Sumerian books having like abysmal translations. But like we get the beginning of the book, like there's this guy that's dead and they go and talk to his daughter. Mm-hmm. It's his only relative. But then she gets on a boat and her dad is on the boat. That's a flashback. OK, see, that didn't make sense to me. I, I re- yeah. reread that whole thing. I thought that she like went on the run and then she was on a boat and she was traveling somewhere to be on the run because she did this murder thing. Like there's a murder and then there's a relatively in my mind, abrupt flashback switch. Yep. Um, see that. And then that made me just start feeling like the entire translation was in jeopardy. Like that, because there was other parts that were kind of confusing language wise, but, but good call with the flashback. It was, I made it to pretty close to halfway through. Maybe there's a moment where you realize it's a flashback and I didn't get there. It's yeah. I, I clocked it as a flashback. It's like, it's a series of flashbacks there. Yeah. A, a few pages of flashback. Where, and like, I just thought it was like her dad poorly narrated because also the narrator was like never anybody that made sense to me. Interesting. I thought that this was, I actually had the thought while I was reading this. Oh, 
behemoth, now Sumerian, finally hired a translator who's doing a pretty good job. Well, and and if I think if I had read the whole thing, that I probably would have more to say about it. But I my main complaint was like not realizing there was a like not knowing who the narrator was. It was, it was the talk- detective who went down to talk to her. Yeah. And that's kind of what I thought. Yeah. Because the way that his face was working at that point. But then it kind of at other points didn't work for me. Not knowing mm-hmm. that was a flashback is probably a big thing for me. But then it like changed yeah. her dad. And then it changed to her dad later on. And I thought that was just the next stop on her journey of being on the run from this murder that she had committed. Oh, okay. Uh, Like I I thought like just misread the entire thing and was, and, but I was willing to think that it was poorly translated basically based on this production company's history and like them bloody knuckles and whatever, like some other instances of it. If you go back and continue it, I think I just cracked the code. Things that are happening in the present have black lines around the borders and things that are in flashback are watercolor to the edge. Well, the bus stuff isn't. But the bus is her on the run, right? Yeah, yeah. I guess. I guess so. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because the, the, on the boat, it is watercolor under the edge. I thought that even the bus was would have been started at the start of the flashback, her going to the boat. We're oh, in the right. weeds for anybody listening. Yeah. Uh, but it's 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 subtle. I that, that went over my head. I'm also not good at this genre and stuff. So I my I, I really liked what I read. I only haven't finished it because I ran out of time. But if I had a complaint about this book, it would be that the text is a little small. It's that totally stood out. It's I'm sure that it was originally published at magazine size and this is shrunk down to the width of a comic. So you're losing like 20% of your, uh, of your text size. And, you know, as an old man, that's a hard thing for me to do. When I changed from this book to another book, it had regular font and I was like, Oh, thank God. Yeah. (laughs) Um, listeners and Andrew Carlson for the editor, uh, Andrew Fox, we do have a guest that just popped into here. Um, Andrew, you're not going to be able to hear, uh Django. That's that's for my own benefit, I believe. Oh, out of my so I can tell jokes at him. But yeah, uh, I, I just don't have to listen to Django spout off his uh what, butt related content. What a bummer. Andrew, we spent some time on your voicemail. And I think we got some good responses, I'm, but I'm, I think you were good. You had your questions were very good. Okay, good. I'm, I'm glad because I definitely wasn't trying to come at you. I just wanted, like I said in the email, I want or the voicemail that I, I just I love understanding the way you guys think. And just big homophobes. The podcast is the best place. Django just accused us both of being giant homophobes. Giant homophobes. Uh, all right, Django. Yeah. <laughs> Andrew, Andrew knows I'm not, but Django, quite the quite the angry guy. Uh, we were just talking about Sarah Lone. Django, my big problem with Sarah Lone is that the art was gorgeous. But um, poorly translated. That was my feeling. What? Line, but although I didn't I, get the poor translation at all. I uh, no, I was standing outside the door. Listening. Oh, he heard, he heard <laughs> me talking about. It. Um, I needed the right moment to. But enter, the main thing, the, the main thing that I would address is that the art was gorgeous. It's a crime book. The covers were gorgeous. All of them. Naked lady on the, all, all of the yeah. covers advertised nudity. And there was no nudity in the entire book. And if I'm entering like a Chuck Palahniuk like you know low barrier to entry trashy you know book with you know gratifying stuff i wanted nudity in there i wanted that that would have been the only thing that could have and when i decided to stop halfway through i was like is there nudity in this book because if there is i'll finish it there's not okay fine i'm i'm out like this is for the covers only that's super interesting i just googled sarah leone it turns out there's a musician with that same name well is sarah Lone or leone Ellie alone. Okay. Sierra Leone's a country. <laughs> well, that's what I, well, he was the one that just said I Googled a country or I Googled an artist and it was Sierra Leone. 
and that's a musician. And I said, Sir Leon or Sir Lone. <laughs> you can't uh, hear Django go. messing this up. I'm I'm super oh, curious where it came from and um like was it marketed like that originally right yeah, or is that question. just behemoth saying let's originally. put some nipples on the cover because i don't need that I, i'd be happy with a lascivious pulp cover i think they're trying right? to capitalize on that kind of gun honey vibe you know the the yeah. uh, the translated crime noir oni press like that's what which is also good but it yeah. definitely has boobs and mm -hmm. they're fake boobs somehow fake boobs in a comic fake yeah. fake boobs yeah. like Andrew, it's, it's got a good story all but of this boobs 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 jenga's just saying the word boobs a ton which is terrible for the integrity of this podcast i was actually <laughs> just, just making leaping it i i was just I making added it in a, an editor's note in this last episode oh uh, nice did because jango had because texted jango you just wouldn't let uh the particular topic drop yeah um like i bleeped out you asking the question just so people wouldn't know what you actually asked. <laughs> there was also a little bit of mystery there. Yeah, I like that. I then, I just yeah, had to no, make an just, editor note because there was an was, audio glitch and I just need to make sure we're always passing this along to you. Oh, yeah. And Django's rapid clapping because that was a He's rough, good. rough thing I had to cut there. Um, <laughs> so when I'm... All right. Animal. Well, Andrew, you give me a hug. Oh, yeah. I'll see you soon. Thanks I'm for saying. Hey, also, Andrew, thank you for this wonderful birthday I'm gift. For you to start aging some whiskey. I was so confused at first, and Django started telling me all about it, and I'm incredibly excited. Yeah, there's instruction. I left the instructions in the box. I was so excited. Um, Just I'm, thank him yeah, for peeing no, in the bunghole for you. Oh yeah, and then Django says thank you for peeing in the bunghole. Oh, of course, I yeah. had to put the pee in Jeff's bung. Yeah, exactly. I got a <laughs> bunghole. This <laughs> <I> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> love you, buddy. Talk to you soon. <laughs> What does lascivious mean? Ooh, like leering and smacking your lips and kind like of being sexy. Really... Okay, okay. Just like, yeah. Oh, well, on the topic of... Yummy. Like, ew. Gross ew. lasciviousness. Um, <laughs> did you read Luana Vecchio's Lovesick? I did. I would say that's less lascivious and more um, just fucking weird and gross. Well, but not as weird as... So the... the Whoa, the, like... Siri just tried to define lascivious for me. Oh, cool weird this was like i think it was pitched as like red room meets like uh a lady writer that lady writer <laughs> artist whose name i'm blanking right now who does like maria lovett exactly thank you yeah uh like red room by way of maria lovett and i think that's a pretty good description i yeah like red room i loved the art and i would flip through it but i wasn't able to read it for whatever reason, I just kind of had a barrier. It wasn't that it was like, oh, I'm against gross shit like this. But it was just like, I don't really know. I guess it just didn't super like hook me. And this one, well, I guess this was like sexier than Red Room for sure. Sexier than, yeah, probably. Red Room runs the gamut of genres though. Yeah. Like each issue is self-contained and tells a different type of story. So it's, it's like a spectrum of genres through there but yeah you're right i don't think that there's a like this was this was sexy and consensual in a weird fucked up murdery way and i guess that's what i mean by it was then kind of sexier because there was a consensual nature the red room one seemed like it was kind of more about the nature of red rooms yeah and the so, internet yeah. and that and this was like more about a singular narrative of characters existing within that yeah maybe having not read a bunch of red room but that was what caused me to and then the art was sexy and, you know, again, like I said, mom, I hope you're not listening, but like, I like nudity a lot. So I'll read anything with nudity. And this one was on the cusp of having it the entire time. Nope. There was some really nice little like sad, floppy, abused male wieners. Yep. Yep. That's what we're here for.
Aren't there's we, nipples on girls too. Like, yeah, it, 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 for as gratuitous as it was in the violence and the shock, it wasn't gratuitous with the nudity, mm-hmm. but it wasn't afraid of it either. Yeah. You know, but it there's also there's like, like it was girl the boob and, and there's dicks and yeah. that's fine. It's, it all just kind of fits in with the, the rest of it. And Luana Vecchio, you know, probably Italian, very likely Italian and doing a story in the image um, anthology, the thir- image 30th anthology that, that's been yeah. coming out. And again, that kind of Italian European, they just have a di- different way of doing nudity. Whereas when in America, I feel like when there's nudity, it's kind of like wanting you to look at it. Cause it's nudity. Like here's right. some boobs. Whereas this is like, there's some boobs in the background. You know, it doesn't for sure. It's like, off. So yeah, what? Like, and it's not like it's trying to make you goomer at it. No, the, um, the boners from this are not from the nudity. No, it's all that biting of the neck. No, um, sorry, mom. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, anyway, I was more interested in continuing this one than like Red Room. But again, it is just sort of like a perverse, violent sex thing within fetishistic subcultures and an exploration of kind of where the Internet's at. And I liked her write up at the end that was kind of about exploring this world. Yeah. And and she has... I don't know if you read her like three paragraph write up in the back. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Consent is still the key theme of this story. Up to that point, I hadn't realized that even consent had a line that could be crossed. Right. That's an interesting perspective to take on this because it is just like basically people consenting to be murdered on uh, on screen for mm-hmm. a bunch of weird perverts who have Bitcoin, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't, no judgment. Weird. Uh, I'll perverts. judge that a little bit. Like. You know, getting into getting into actual death is is a weird thing to me. Um, you, sorry, mom. Here's my question: I'd never heard of Red Rooms until me neither. Until uh, Ed Pisker's book came out, which makes us realize there's corners of the internet that even you and I haven't found. Or she's basing this on his concept. Well, his her right his words is, is her talking about finding Red Rooms and finding the dark web and stuff. Like she talks about they're fully okay. fully a thing. Yikes. Um, yeah. So anyway, I I gave this one a 7.0 higher than a lot of the books I gave this week by a factor of one. Yeah, I think I'd give it a seven also. Um, I think if I had to choose one to read every month, it would be The Red Room by Ed Piscor. Well, the art is something special, but it's certainly not sexy art. No, but the, there's something about the craft and the, yeah. the storytelling that he has going on. I was reading Luna Vecchio's story in the image 30th anthology. And every time I would start reading it, I'd be like, Oh, this one, I don't like it. And then by three panels in, I was hooked and I would read all the way to the end and be like, Oh, I like this one. And then the very next one, I'd be like, Oh, that's this one. I don't like it. And then I'd be hooked. And I, so I think that she's got a really, she's got something going on that, that pulls you through a story too, which I Um, think is pretty cool. Yeah. Do you uh, want to move to the image thing at this point? I, I only didn't read... read it this week. Okay. Uh, well, she wasn't in this issue of it. I only read the uh, in- the witches excerpt just because oh, yeah. I wanted to read it. Oh, sorry. I don't want. I don't mean to derail you. She did uh, Bolero. Yep. Which yeah. was great. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah, sorry. I mean, and that's why I loved her art in that. So like, yeah. that was kind of why her name was in my head. Um, I just wanted to mention that there was a six-page witches story in this image anthology and that's the first time for me while i've liked these image anthology things um six pages is not enough for like an atmospheric horror book and uh, i think the pacing could have been better and could have used more pages to make me engrossed in a comic that has been without publication for years i guess they did Mm -hmm. a one thing like a one-shot thing like 64 years ago ago, yeah yeah um but 
I like that they're keeping that brand alive. I think the jock art is awesome. And I like the Scott Snyder writing, but six pages wasn't enough for that specific thing. So I hope that they do. It's like the main character kid, I believe, from the first series. So I hope that they, I don't know. I, I would rather wait to see how they're going to publish that separately. Um, but I gave that short story itself um, a 6.0, just mostly based on like the way that it's being executed. I think they could have given me more than that. Uh, I, I think the image anthology thing worked really well for certain stories, but not with that one specifically. Have you been keeping up with any of the other image 30th books? No, I was following the Jeff Johns Moody story for a while, yeah. but kind of the same problem, like six pages at a time. That one's giving me eight pages at a time, but I don't know. It. I like the idea of anthologies with like manga and stuff, but it just mm-hmm. doesn't really work with really strong narrative focused things. I think some of the stories I've, I've read more than half of each issue mm-hmm. and skipped certain stories, but some of them do a really good job. And I think the Jeff Johns one is doing a really good job of only giving you eight pages, but also giving you a full story within those eight pages, like beginning, middle and end, beginning, totally middle agree. and end, beginning, middle and end. Certainly the first two chapters that one did very, very well. Yeah. yeah. And then some of the other stories are like, oh, you just cut a 22 page comic into six page chunks and you're giving them to us a little bit at a time. Bummer. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I, I think it's one of the better anthologies on the stands right now. Yeah, I just think that maybe I'm not made for anthologies. Um, On the topic of anthologies, Django, one book I didn't read this week that you did read and I want to hear about, um, not quite an anthology, but the Double Nightfall feature, which was, you know, had a couple yeah. stories in it that are continuing. I didn't read that. Would you mind talking to me about why that was good? Because I, I didn't. Certainly talk to you about the first half because uh, I didn't read the second story yet. Um, but I Man actually have images. a bag and board right in the center. Same place as my uh, Sarah Loan book. Bag and board right in the center is a bookmark. Middle telling me to finish that shit. Yeah. Um, this first story has amazing art. Did you take one home, Jeff? Yes, I have one right here. Okay. Flip flip through that first well, story. Well, I love the paper stock also. It's like oh, yeah, the, classic the... 70 or not 70, but like 90s vertigo paper stock. Yeah, like, like rougher paper. It's not glossy. The colors are gorgeous. The art in this first one reminds me of Aaron Campbell. Reminds me of Raphael Albuquerque as well, but also yep. Aaron Campbell for sure. I didn't think about that. Yep. Yeah, I could see both of those. Um, and the it's it's very, very wordy. Like it's it's probably 20 pages of story or 25 pages of story, but it pulls you through in a really nice way. Um, it never felt like a chore to be reading this many this many words. And the spooky bit about this story is amazing. Like bones are showing up in places that bones shouldn't be, like in kids stuffed animals there this this little girl's getting an mri in the beginning and the the tech calls the doctor in and he's like something's wrong and they he's like no the girl's fine but we got to cut open these stuffed animals and there's just bones inside the stuffed animals it's super Her gross. guy catches a ball that's all teeth in a baseball game that's creepy yep yep and a woman has her uh her wedding dress the the bones in her corset turn into real bones and and kill her creepy. and then these these this this unlikely duo um go to like a, a she's a she's a reverend and he's a scientist and both of them are just like weird obsessive people they go to this graveyard where there's something wrong they get sent to a graveyard by the government and uh all the bones are missing from the dead bodies in the graveyard with no exit signs so like something is super fucked and it has to do with bones and uh i think i think that that story was well worth the price of admission. I'm not familiar with any of these creators. Um, the The first story is Daniel Krauss, 
with Man House drawing it and Kurt Michael Russell uh, coloring it. There were a couple of little parts that the storytelling was a little bit unclear. The last the last reveal, I had to read it a couple of times to figure out what was going on. But um, yeah, really, really good stuff. A little bit of John Cassidy in the art too. Um, and the second story looks good. I just haven't made it to that yet. So um, the part that I read, eight and a half. Uh, I'd, I'd like to keep reading this. Nice. I think if you if you need another spooky comic to go along with your your creep shows and your R.L. Steins and your uh, whatever else you're reading that's that's spooky right now, uh, your love six, your loves sick. It uh, is this, the spooky this, time this of the... year. This will probably go up on Hollum's Ween Day. Oh, fancy! Hey, yeah, Jeff. I read some other spooky books, but uh, I think my favorite one this week. Yeah, my favorite of the spookies was Damn Them All by Simon Spurrier, Charlie Adler, and Sophie Dodgson. This is the um, one that I went to after uh, Stare Alone, and I was like, oh, this font is way better. Like, it's just like, <laughs> you don't realize what's good and bad, you know, lettering and font until you, like, go from one that's really small and difficult to something that is, like, red and at the size that it was printed at, so... Um, I'm glad you felt that because when I started reading, I was like, oh, there's a lot of font on every one of these pages. You know, it was text heavy, which, again, people think I hate text heavy books. Not that I hate text heavy books. It's how you use the text. Um, So flipping through this, I was like, "Ooh, there is a lot of text, but it wasn't relying on the text to tell the story. There was a lot of visual stuff happening as well. Um, But uh, your uh, support of this book is what had caused me to, you know, read through the entire thing. Um, and I did like it, but did you thought this was, the, this was the, your type of spooky? I just think that, uh, listen, this yeah. might be, this might be controversial, Jeff. Uh oh. Other than a three issue little jaunt into the Tom Taylor world, we haven't had John Constantine in about 12 years now. We've yeah. had like that, that pale facsimile of him hanging out with fucking superheroes in the DC universe. And it's, it's the saddest thing I can imagine for that character. <laughs> it almost feels like uh, the way DC is using John Constantine is kind of, it makes me think of the the ending of that TV show, uh, The Shield, Never saw where it. the shitty cop, you think he's going to get away with it. And, and then you think he's going to go to prison, but neither of them happen. He kind of gets busted and then he gets a desk job. And it's just like the last shot is the janitor turning off the lights while this cop who's used to all this action is sitting there at his desk having to deal with a desk job and that's what uh constantine's role feels like in the dc universe right now all that to say this is this is great well this is the writer of that really great constantine run just recently johnson john constantine the hellblazer the like 12 issue one you're right that was really good i didn't mean to skip that one when i called out the tom taylor one uh but cy spurrier's constantine was really good too well, yeah. And so that's who wrote this. So I, yeah. I, the whole time reading it, it had kind of a John Constantine vibe. And he also did the backup in Detective Comics this week. So Ooh, we got a fair amount of size. This, this this is just like kind of British practical dirty magic. Yeah. Um, by a woman who learned from her kind of rough around the edges uncle who's dead and who has left her with some shit to clean up. And even the even the pages that were like a full page of kind of Hickman style descriptions of demons were interesting to read. And I, those don't my, always grab me. Those are my favorite parts of the issue. So I actually liked the issue quite a bit. Um, yeah, it was like John Constantine, but freed from any editorial mandate or anything. So yeah. he's great at writing Constantine. He writes this girl really, really well. Um, but I really liked the descriptions of like the Ars Gosha, if that's how you pronounce it. I've never known fully how to pronounce it, but, and then, Andro- and then like Andromalius and just the different, uh, 72 
you know, spirits of the underworld. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I hope that they do more exploring of the individual <clears throat> deities. Uh, yeah, that that was my favorite part. I've always enjoyed like Buffy the Vampire Slayer for kind of like this sort of fictional uh, authority on yeah. the occult and stuff. And I love when a thing does that. Uh, and it's, you know, they mentioned like the original authors of the Osgoetia, uh, you know, Crowley's in there. So it gave it a, a, a rooting that I enjoyed. Mm-hmm. I liked seeing our Adler's art in color. Like you almost forget it's Charlie Adler when it's not black and white who, cause he did yep. all the walking dead. Um, well, and, yeah. and like a lot of the panels in here paired with the Constantine thing made me feel like I was reading Sean Phillips run on Constantine. Like yeah, a, yeah. A, lo- a lot of similar framing in the bars where people's heads are in shadows. Like th- that first page, I forgot I was reading Adler. Yeah, I no, thought, I, I, it took me a couple pages to remember. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not, that's not a knock on him at all. It's, it's gorgeous art. It just, uh, he's, he's doing something a little bit different than he was allowed to do in walking dead. I think with stranger panel layouts and more interesting, um, storytelling than I I think the standard that walking dead had set. One of my favorite things about this was when we see the demon turn into its true form Mm -hmm. at the end, like there are these giant majestic, otherworldly things and then when it turns into its true form it's it's horrible in a new way yeah i thought that was pretty cool yeah um yeah i liked it quite a bit i also really like you see demons and spirits in comics often but i liked the way that they talked around that which was like she you know flashback at the beginning and she couldn't look at it because people will like faint or throw up or spontaneously die when they see them and then like one of these spirits comes to you in a bar and you see the gamut of all the responses that people have but i do like kind of making an anchor point in a series be that like human beings can't comprehend that stuff or like in the bible when they describe angels or demons like angels couldn't be described and right blew people's minds you know gears and wings in ways that didn't fit um hula so, hoops with eyes yeah exactly what's a so, hula hoop moses no you're gonna know soon kid <laughs> or you're gonna get bored in that boat and make it tomorrow um but yeah uh so i thought that was interesting i i gave the book as a whole a 7.0 which was you know again one of the higher scores i gave because i gave most of them six or sevens this week i think i'm gonna give it an eight and a half hell yeah but i think it's i didn't realize how much i had missed a shitty British magician character kind in my of, life. Yeah, I hear it. It's, and like, I hate to, I hate to keep going back to the Constantine thing, but that character archetype is just, it found my soft spot and it pushed that soft spot until I reset. Yeah. Cause you're a baby with a soft spot. Um, yeah. You know, it's one of the things I like about the magic order, you know, like that female protagonist yeah. reminds me very much of uh, female Constantine. Okay. 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 Jeff, okay. Jeff. Okay. 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 Let's say you're a demon. Okay. And let's say that uh, you know, there, there's a lot of demons. There's a lot of them. Seventy-two. There's a lot of them, and there's not that many magicians. Not a ton, right? Like well, not there's that... a lot, but not how good but, are they? I don't know. Yeah, like not many who can summon demons, right? Like I would say, once a generation or three times a generation, there's somebody who can summon demons. Sure. And there's seventy-two demons, mm-hmm. which means that it takes a long time between summonings for demons to get summoned again. Well, I feel like we're kind of assigning some rules to all of this. I'm not really yeah, sure. That's what I'm doing. Uh, like, uh, are you know, could one person only summon one? Could one person summon seventy two? Uh, it rarely goes well when you summon one. Like, I feel the, like you, you yeah, probably top out at four before your luck runs out. But the right? premise of this book is kind of interesting because it's like something has changed in the rules of mysticism, and now they are mm-hmm. all been unleashed, and they all are much easier to summon. 
Yeah. But, but here's, here's what I'm thinking. Okay. When a demon appears, it puts on some sort of glamor to scare the, the mortals as much as they can. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So the first time a demon gets summoned, it's like caveman shit. Right. And what scares a caveman fire? Sure. So it shows up as fire shows up as a saber toothed tiger with three heads. But then seven generations pass or a hundred generations pass before that demon gets summoned again. Mm -hmm. And it shows up as fire in an era where fire isn't the scary thing anymore. So like, so how do demons change? How do they learn? It's a great question. This specific book does it a little bit differently. It's not that it's trying to do a thing to scare you. It literally is my true form would confound you. Mm -hmm. We are distillates of imperfect creation. Um, And then the demon does a consolation. I will try to show you something. I'll try to show you me in the thing that you could, the form that you can most easily understand. And so that's that's maybe not the final, the actual. So it's it's not necessarily they're trying to be scary, but I do like what you're getting at, which is this idea of if demons are these formless things and they're trying to put on a skin that scares us, that skin Mm -hmm. would change over time. For sure. And they get summoned so infrequently that the things that scare people don't work from time to time. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Django, can I do a double on you really quick? Oh, yeah. Do it. Uh, I just want to mention, I haven't talked about this in a while. Firepower number 24, Robert Kirkman, Chris Somney. This book has done an interesting thing where it is, I've always thought that it had a really strong Dragon Ball Z vibe, not the least of which for reasons is that like the firepower thing is like a Kamehameha or a Goku, you know, thing. Um, in this you know, it's following Dragon Ball Z very closely in this issue specifically. And for a little while, it's felt a lot like to be direct the Frieza saga in Dragon Ball Z. But what is most famous about the Frieza saga is that you would have episode after episode after episode of nothing happening because within what is essentially called shonen manga, it is manga that comes out in an anthology. So about eight to eight to 10 pages at a time um, that's action based manga. And it is entirely based around kind of ramping up essentially. And so when you adapt to an anime, you get 20 minute, 30 minute times where people are just kind of like ramping up, powering up and stuff. Firepower. I truly have to believe Dragon Ball Z is the influence behind this, not just because the style and the moves, but just the, the way the entire thing feels. And this whole most recent arc uh, has been a very like Frieza saga arc, which is just like, it's been six issues. Maybe it could just be two. Like, I don't need mm-hmm. this much action. Um, so I would give this one a 6.0. I really like this series historically. I'm excited for the next arc of it, but it really is doing a very Japanese thing, which is like issue after issue. It feels like we're not moving because instead we're kind of like, instead of going forward, we're going up. Like we're getting more powerful. We're learning. <laughs> exactly. Um, exactly. Yeah. You love manga and art anime. Yeah. I'm so a 6.0. huge manga guy. Uh, and then I also just want to mention that Axe Judgment Day ended this week. Um, and like, I guess it ended pretty well. It didn't end as well as I'd like the series, but it was just like, we've all been waiting judgment on this giant celestial to judge us. And then we kind of like some, if I remember correctly, like we like convinced him that if he's judging us, like he's an infallible God, he would be letting down another judgment and therefore he's not, you know, fit to judge. So we don't all die. Or something like that. It was kind of a moral, logical loophole that got us out of this instead of a giant hmm. battle. Um, but it was all in all a pretty good miniseries. Um, and there's much more nuance to this issue than just that. But that's kind of the main crux of how we got out of this celestial about to scythe our Earth in two. Um, Wait, it was like the the one guard always tells the truth and the other guard always tells a lie. Confounded kind of. the, I, the celestial. 
I would say less that and more a logic proof that you would be doing programming. Like if this equals this, then therefore that sum can do these things. But if on that primary query that's not proven fully true, therefore all the subsequent queries don't make sense. And and therefore it's not worthy of, you know, committing judgment is kind of the vibe I got from it. Um, logic proofs essentially Weird. and um, but it was pretty good and the art was pretty good and the all in all I don't love Kieran Gillen just by name um, but this mm-hmm. this miniseries was pretty good way better than I thought it was going to be when I heard that it was like an Avengers X-Men Eternals crossover um, I gave this issue a 7 I gave other issues in this series uh, before it um, a higher score I do think that it humanized Celestials more than I want I feel like it made us see celestials not in armor and i don't want that at all wait what are they what color are f- they? like we kind of went to no, this like i don't like that at all yeah we kind of went to this like psychic dream space where there's like people talking to the celestial um and he's kind of like a white alien dude let me show you like here's a picture of one no 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 exactly. no no you gotta get no. back in that armor yeah no. like Karen Gillen, get the fuck out of here. And I don't even don't want do it to be armor. I want their, like, that's just what they, no. you know, like, that's their, anyway, so their, their armor being... is, is empty. It's just their soul and their yeah, voice in that I armor. For me. I totally agree. I totally agree. God. And so, why does a, celest- a celestial that, so. doesn't even fucking need armor, man? Exactly. There's celestial. It just is. Um, so yeah, 7.0 on that for me. Um, Django, what else do you got? Because I do have one I want to talk to you about if you don't have any, but please, whatever. Flash it to me so I don't talk about it. Um, I've been reading DC versus Vampires. Mm. I'm not reading the the black and white and red spinoff um, just because I think it was like all based around Harley Quinn, who's not my favorite. And um, a lot of comics come out every week, but mm-hmm. I have been keeping up with the main series. I don't have anything specifically great to say about it, but it's really good. Like it's a, it's a solid story. The way that they're using the wonder twins has been really interesting the whole time. Um, the, the, you know, what do you do when, when your heroes turn into vampires and the smart ones are vampires and some of the dumb ones are vampires and Dick Grayson is running Gotham and has black what Adam as a vampire. Do? Keeping I've been trying to deal with how to like, run a comic shop when your partner becomes a vampire several years ago. I want you to stop telling people. I want you to stop telling that? people I do that. <laughs> uh, so I, I don't think anybody should jump on now. We're on 10 of 12. But I think if you want an interesting take on a fucked up what if for the DC universe, DC versus vampires is a good one. The other one that I read that uh, is nowhere near a first issue at this point is Batman Fortress. Um, You've talked about a lot of those issues. You like that book. I like it, man. The cliffhanger at the end of this one is really, really solid. The the. Bad things that have like things have huge consequences in here. And every time one of his teammates, like they've had to go to the bottom of the ocean with the ale and Aqualad and, uh, or whatever the, I don't, I don't know the Aquaman, Aquaman's son's name and, um, Lex Luthor and, uh, an archer woman. And they have to get into the fortress of solitude at the bottom of the ocean. And so they come up with all these crazy ways to do it. They get in and the booby traps just start fucking with people. And every time somebody gets taken out, Batman's like, we got to keep going. And somebody's like, well, but without them, we can't get back. And he's like, we got to keep going. We don't have a choice. He's just like, he's a machine in Django, the I very love best that. way. But also, why would anyone listen to this podcast when we don't have Roman on? Because you're like, you know, like... uh 
this guy or this archer, archer lady and Dale and this other person, Aqualad, who I don't know his name. It's like, don't you guys own a comic shop together? Yeah, we that's, do. That's the great thing about comics. That's is, not what uh, we do well. You don't have to. Yeah, you exactly. don't have to. You, like you, it's all it's all context. Comic books. Hashtag no, just comic books. You yeah. don't have to. Comic books. You don't hashtag, have to. You don't have to. That's I love Aqualad. It. That's what does he do? Water stuff. Archer lady. What does she do? Bow and arrow stuff. The ale. What does he do? Well, he's a Green Lantern. Like that. That one's not really in the description. But good, I want a yeah. shirt that good. says comic books in big letters and then small below it. You don't have to. <laughs> you don't have to. Uh, DC vampires. Uh, any given issue is probably a seven. Whole series is probably an eight. Uh, Batman Fortress. Jeez, it's a seven and a half to an eight and a half every single time. Dude, like, that's crazy that it's not a higher score because you. I know you like it and you read it a lot and you've recommended it. Are you sure it's not a higher score, Django? Yeah, it's just really good rote Batman. Not yeah. written like it's like, you know, sometimes you read a Batman story and you're like, no, oh, that wasn't very good. Or you read a Batman story and you're like, oh, yeah, I saw that coming. Or it's not my Batman. Not my, a lot of, like, not, not my, my Batman. Batmans. Yeah. Yeah. And, and this one is just Batman's a butthole and Derek Robertson, you know, it's it's like. I just like Derek Robertson stuff, even when he's drawing really grotesque looking faces on people I like. Django, I guess what I just want to say is I liked Vanish number one a lot, and I didn't mm -hmm. like Vanish number two as much, but I still liked it. I just want you to make me like this issue as much as the first one. Did you? Where are you at with this? I think I like the art in this issue even more than I like the art in the first one. Yep, I can see that. Um, I really liked the fleshing out of the quote unquote good wizards and their dubious motives of bringing the kids to New York uh, just in time to see 9-11 happen. Mm -hmm. And the wizard turning the first plane into rose petals, but then not doing anything about the second plane, uh, kind of to, I think, set himself up to be a good guy and then set mortal, non-magic people up to, to just be shitty um, and, and give sort of stakes to the kids. Um, I didn't care about or for the magician friend that he went to visit who's just like i think basically david blaine but can actually do magic um no offense david blaine you're doing illusions well i'm not gonna tell him you said that um and i really really liked the way that everybody uses the same kind of glamour to hide their uh wounds like they they have like a, a magical thing that they can like a, a, a an invisible shroud that they can pull off their face and show that they've been beaten up yeah and, they're, just, uh, they're just using glamours but you've used the term glamour two times now which makes me feel like you're more in gross and fantasy life than i thought you were yeah yeah i don't know i final page was really good the final page was amazing although I, I would have liked to see the cuts that spelled the word on his head i agree it just looks like blood splattered on there you know there i think there's something in my mind about the conversation of a first and second issue versus a second like versus like like sorry a first and second issue combined in a first issue versus a first and second issue like this right. issue was a lot slower and the first there was a lot in that first issue that got you excited and then we did more work in the second issue that didn't have that excitement and right. there's just something in my head i i haven't really flushed it out but ever since we started talking about the first couple issues of nick spencer's spider-man run i've been mm -hmm. kind of thinking about what you said about like a zero issue versus a first issue versus a combined first and second issue. And I'll keep reading the series for sure. Um, but I would say the momentum slowed for me quite a bit 
in this second issue versus the first, but the art is incredible. And I do yeah. love getting Donnie Cates and Ryan Stegman getting to just do a totally unchained, chained book. Yeah. And we have to meet these people at some point. I think I have a pretty good handle on the characters, uh, like his, his wife and his ex buddy. Yeah. Um, I'm curious how many issues this is going to be. Cause if yeah, it's going to be point. six issues, fuck this one. I bet it's long. If it's going to be a dozen or 30 issues, like this is great. I bet it's ongoing. I bet they're doing like the yeah. image thing. Yeah. Um, amazing Spider-Man, uh, was an eight for me. My second nice. highest score of the week. Uh, there were two hobgoblins in it and there was the mystery of who is the hobgoblin. Green Goblin and Hobgoblin are probably my favorite mainstream villains to read that are not cosmic villains like mm -hmm. Galactus. Um, mm -hmm. Green Goblin and Hobgoblin are like Django. They're the coolest things in the entire fucking world. <laughs> they're, they're the coolest looking characters ever. They're the coolest looking characters ever. Um, and I love that we're getting a Hobgoblin arc right now. And it's also hearkening back to that original hobgoblin stuff which is like who is hobgoblin and right. we've got like ned leads in here and we've got all the other guys as well we have and ned leads standing next to hobgoblin yeah we have ned leads standing next we got two hobgoblins on the final page nice um and we know that like one i forget the original hobgoblin guy's name uh oh ben kingsley no yeah. not ben kingsley that's the actor but uh it's... but somebody kingsley so kingsley and leads are like it, it's all and then you got like or Norman is like helping Spider-Man and he obviously was the Green Goblin. So um, loving where that's at. A Goblin-centered nice. arc is, is high to me. Um, Jenga, do you have anything else for us today? We just talked about every single comic I have read so far this week. I have some more, but um, I'm well, not going to boast. Drop them. Drop them. Well, I want to talk about Detective, but I wanted you here for it. No, um, no, dude, go for it. I'm, I'll, I'll read them. Uh, I'll read it later. You're not going to spoil it for me. Well, Detective, I just keep having this problem where like every issue of Detective, I don't know what's been going on with this story. And that's Rom V for me. Usually and I it's think not that it's bad. It's just weird. It's I think that like and again, it's not bad. It's just weird. I think that his writing for me personally works way better in trade. I just <laughs> don't know what it is. There is not stuff in each issue that makes the issue memorable. And I don't know if that is a hidden talent to writers that i haven't noticed that people who can allow me to kind of retain things on a monthly gap but it's mm -hmm. not happening in this series but there is some cool two-faced stuff um but yeah it's it's just it's a very weird feeling for me but the there's a new backup with art by who do you think the art's by on our backup david lapham no 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 no, no. Django. it's better than that it's who our guy it? sherman Oh, Hayden Sherman. They accidentally listed Danny as the artist on the backup on the cover. It's Spurrier and Danny. Oh, but in the actual bummer. issue, it is uh, on the final credit is Spurrier and Nathan Sherman. And the art in that is what made me read it. And I was like, that's Danny. All right, fine. I'll read it. And it's all about Two-Face and kind of like his post Two-Face, you know, like he's in denial. He's got that gold mask on. If you can really uh -huh. shoot one of this. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. But like the voice of Two-Face is still kind of like a subconscious voice in his head. So he's hearing it. So the whole thing is a Dude. kind of conversation between Two-Face and that voice. But it's all done by Nathan Sherman. And he is one of the most exciting artists in comics, I think, right now. Like I think I in, the last, guy. in two months, he's exploded for us. Yep. Uh, he's all over. Um, and it's, it's really, really good art. So um i want to hear what other people think about detective comics is anyone listening reading detective comics do you not have a hard time because as i was reading this i was thinking like is it just that we read too many comics a week right um but too many stories in our head and it's monthly it is monthly um yeah. so but 
Lots of Dude, fun. Dude, I'm excited. Jokes. Yeah, I'm yeah, super I, excited for Hayden Sherman. Yeah, I mean, also this is Did I say what, Nathan Sherman. Three three issues in, four issues in. It's the longest I've read a detective comics in a long time. It's yeah. It's where this is the fourth one. The first because only because I know that the first backup was a three issue, and this is the first of a new backup. Um, yes. but really cool stuff. Um, yeah, Django. That's that's all I've got, man. We we read a fuck. I also read a bunch of like little creep shows and stuff of nightmares things oh, I, I read creep show that was pretty good it was not as good as the first one though yeah but the only thing i'll mention Django, all is right. that in three comics this week i saw lettering doing a new thing that i'd never noticed before and only i had never noticed it before so maybe other people had um and i think it's in this issue i had to like start i noticed in the final comic i read and then i went through all of my comics and was like i noticed that other other places but what i noticed was essentially text bubbles where there would be a whole paragraph in a text bubble like normal but the first word or two would be super faint and gray as if to say like god like as if to say like a word was stifled and then the full thing came out okay but i and i see that at the end oftentimes but i was seeing at the beginning of phrases with like hidden words like you know ghosted words in multiple books this week is it indicating that somebody and, has been talking for a while and you're just no, it's getting... indicating like a like like oh fuck hey everybody run out there like oh, that type okay. of thing like a like okay. a kind of muted silent where it was just like a weird convention i think it was in it was definitely in two books i read this week because i found them both together but i think it was in a third as well and i'm just i even compared the letterers to see if it was the same letterer and it wasn't it was just so... a weird convention i had not seen pop up and it was in multiple things this week here's a thing and maybe you definitely read more marvel comics than i do and i could see this being a thing that happens in spider-man when was the last time you saw thought bubbles in a comic i saw them a lot this week really in In (laughs) spider-man no in multiple things what was like in cloudy cloudy bubbles but it could have been that foreign comic the translated comic okay the sarah loan yeah, it could have been in that Sierra Leone in the country. No, the person, the lady, oh, okay. the singer. I don't I think saw, I saw it in I saw thought, but what did I see thought bubbles in, man? I saw them in multiple things this week. If you go back and read comics in the 70s and 80s, well, that's exactly what it made me think full about. Full of them. Yeah, that's what it made me think about. And what you're describing is something that I think you would see in a thought bubble right. rather than a word balloon in the, in the olden days. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and what I am just trying to describe, but not very well, is, is there are words that are being said. They're just right. like different type of things. But no, I yeah, I can't remember what it was, but I saw thought, bu- thought bubbles in this this week. And I was like, man, I don't see thought bubbles a lot anymore. I don't know why they started going away, but they definitely just kind of, I think, kind of abruptly sort of stopped. I'm, yeah, I'm looking at all my books. I don't see thought bubbles in mine. You're right. No, I do. I think there was like a conscious decision to try and stop using them at some point. But I think yeah. that they just remind me that I'm reading a comic book. Like, I love it. Um, I'll tell you a couple of things that I'm looking forward to reading this week is the, yeah. the final issue of Catwoman Lonely City. Nice. I have really liked that story. And just like old lady Catwoman has been awesome. Um, I'm looking forward to the final issue of Sins of the Black Flamingo. That book has been great. Uh, Rogues Gallery has been a lot of fun. And then uh, weirdly, and probably only for me, is Criminal Macabre and Count Crawley. Uh, Roman's probably going to be into that too. Mm-hmm. Um, and Sean. And Sean. Yeah, th- a lot of lot of good comics this week. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, for me. No, it was... It was a lot of comics I like reading this week. There was a yeah. lot of comics I like. There were were not really any comics that I was like, yeah, 
this is why I read comics. But um, no, I mean, there was a bunch of good comics, dude. Like when we were leaving the shop today, we were like, or sorry, on Tuesday, we were like, I was like, I've got 17 books. And you're like, I've got 18. Like it was a stunning <laughs> number of books um, for a week that there was nothing that was like, I mean, Human Target was probably the, and Amazing Spider-Man, the ones that I was like, I can't wait to read these. Yeah, um, it's it's really interesting to have, and, and like this, this is going to sound mean, but when we have a week like this, that there's a bunch of number fours, five, sixes, eights that I'm excited to read. I think of it as an also ran week, which isn't the right words, but also ran. Yeah, like an honorable mention. Oh, like this there's, thing there's also just, ran this week. Yeah, there's just such a uh, bounty put on number ones and new yep. series and jumping on points. And I think that's a shame because what comics are really good at is always coming out and having a story for you to read that doesn't have to be a number one or a jumping on point and, well, and, and this is to, a great week to of iron pretty that good comics out, comics are always great at always coming out and a thing that i think they used to be a little bit better at than they are now is always coming out and being interesting like i think they always used to be you know like chuck dickson's 95 issue nightwing run right like, you were always invested in this thing because you were 20 issues in or something, you know, mm -hmm. like you, like, even if it wasn't a number one, it was this story you've been reading for a year and a half, you right. know, so, so like that. And you're we, friends do, with them now. We do shorter runs now, but, um, but yeah, oh, there was one thing I was going to say, but I don't and remember it now. Like comics are still surprising jaded assholes like us, right? Like we're not jaded assholes, but we love these things. I'm a jaded asshole, but no, like, you're not. You, you fucking are you get excited <laughs> like nobody else does. You found something you hadn't seen much of before this week. I did. Yeah, they're all right, which is a medium. lettering trick. Yeah. And and that uh damn them all had a very oh. interesting mix of panels and text. Well, in, and also, not even in a Hickman way. What you can say is that even on a week where there's not necessarily a plus books coming out, but a bunch of really good other ones today. Sorry, this week I read all the books I was really excited about. And I was like, well, I've still got a bunch of other books, but I have this good friend. Uh, everyone, you should make a good friend like this. Um, Jay, I don't know if you have anyone like this, but um, you should all make a good friend who can go find you back issues. I've been really wanting to read Batman Venom. And I have a friend who he didn't have the issues, but he like ran into the a comic shop that he works at and found all five issues of Batman Venom from Legends of the Dark Knight. I've never read it. So I finished my stack of comics. I was excited to read and I almost just sat down and read all five issues of Batman Venom. Dude. But then I, I realized I feel guilty about not reading new comics. I need to do that. For the no, 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 no. The store. So I read a bunch oh, of other you. number ones and stuff. But Chowderhead. I'm going to read Batman Venom and I can't fucking wait. When we were talking about that, I said it was Jose Luis Garp. Uh, I have it right Gar by my bed because I'm it, about to read it. It's him. Trevor Von Eden. I realized that the day I got home. Was, I was that the like, colorist or something? Because his name was on the cover. Was it? Maybe he's doing oh, no, the covers. You, I don't know. A, a person that you were looking for, his name was on the cover. Yeah, I don't know. I'm an idiot. I can't keep I can't keep all the artists and writers from well, the first but you're 75 able to find, issues of You're able to Legends find a guy Man, right? all five issues of Batman Venom. So I I grateful for you. I got your hey, back. Um if anyone wants to also have our back and give us uh, an email or a voicemail like Will and Andrew did this week, please do. Are you reading Detective Comics? What is it about that book that makes Jeff not able to remember the issues? Are you having that same problem? If you're not having that same problem, could you please call us or write us and tell us why um, record a voicemail on your phone and email it to Jeff at the comics at the comics
Um, <laughs> we would love to hear from you. Truly, 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 we would. Uh, next week, I think we'll all be back. Um, Django, you got anything for us to say before we get out of here? I wanted to tell you that I found a hip kip garbage pail kid that I hope that you'll give to your mother. And if you Please don't, do. I will. Yeah. Um, I put it in either your file or Sean's file. Why would you um, put it in Sean? Well, you know about Sean. Well, because you secret relationship. You have a history of of not always wanting to propagate the garbage pail kid trash that I give you. And uh, Sean that's, was like, we, we were like, Jeff I may or away. may not give that to his mom. And Sean was like, put mom, it in my I file. Will. We'll get it to her just in mom, case Jeff doesn't want to. Um, yeah, that's that's about it. Do you think she listens this far in or do you think she stops? I think she does, but she's on a cruise in like Rome. Your mom's cruising? Right yeah, she's a cruiser. But yeah. Anyway, safe travels home. Kippy, uh, safe travels home to all of you listeners. Get home to your wonderful family, your wonderful children, or your wonderful cats, dogs, or game console systems. Uh, we love you, and we will see you all next week. I am always M. Jeff. I'm Django, and I was wondering. What were you wondering? Jeff. Yeah. Which hero or villain uh-huh. or character uh-huh. from Marvel or DC uh-huh. do you think would be a great transition to a bisexual or a gay character it's a good question i think bisexuality is an awesomely introduced to characters but i don't think it's the kind of thing that is just like a light switch you turn on and off you know i just think that it's andrew i think it's a i don't know i don't know i don't i don't i don't respect the way that they did it we'll see you all next week yeah bye bye bye